Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. before we can actually get busted for uh <laughs> fucking copyright infringement but we're back after a three-week hiatus and at the last minute dan either decided to stop pay his stop paying his electricity bill or a storm just knocked out all of his power so dan is not here today so it is i cory walsh and bell the body snatcher here to bring you all things libservative and uh Today we're going to be talking about, let me pull the banners up real quick. We're going to be talking about my grievances with country and the new Jason Aldean song. And it's not what you think. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Some union updates, the the Stop Predatory Investing Act, uh, the Pentagon and it propagating propaganda. And InBev, or the company that's the umbrella of Bud Light, being investigated by DeSantis in an imbecilic showdown that nobody asked for. So first things first is Libsertive Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libsertiveshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at LibservativePod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libsertive Podcast. And you can reach out directly at LibsertivePod at gmail.com. Subscribe today, leave a review. If you like the show, tell a friend because word of mouth in the large, big ass ocean of podcasts, word of mouth seems to be the best way to get the word spread. And we enjoy talking to you people and we'd enjoy to talk to a hell of a lot more. Now that you, not that you people aren't satisfactory, but you know how it goes. <laughs> trying to make a living off this, Bell. Don't do them like that. We're trying to make yeah, a living. I was going to say, don't do them like that, man. I'm not going to do them like that. Well, I'm not doing them like that. Yeah, don't do them like that. I want to make sure I even still got <laughs> the fucking gusto to even do this. It's been three weeks. I haven't talked into a microphone. And I'm just I, know. I know. I know, but we haven't been lazy. So what'd you do? On we haven't been lazy, but we are rusty. Well, other than you know, most we got of our guess, disking game up. Yeah, most of it has just got been our disc- you and I. Just getting drunk. Yeah, disc golfing. Throwing discs. (laughs) I'm okay with that. It's summertime. And, you know, you get the kids out there. They want to throw discs, and we want to throw discs. And they could be the next. next, uh, Oh, wow. I'm now Paul Calhoun, uh, Joey Perez. They're going to be the newest uh, disc golfers. My boy is going to take the men's league, and your girl is going to take the women's league. Hey, I'm or, with or, or role reversal. My boy might take the women's league and your boy might take the men's league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> it 
might happen. Who knows? All yeah, things are don't, possible. Don't make assumptions. Be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be proud of these boy girls, girl boys. <laughs> They're winning. Hey, you, I was just say you just can't, you just can't assume nowadays. You know. I don't want to put. So you did good. There you go. What's what's new, Bell? There you go. What you drinking over what's there? What's new? Same thing as you, buddy. We got the highlight the champagne. Going. Yeah, so that's the champagne. Yeah, weeks. I beers. think I have Bell completely hooked on the champagne to beers. Yeah. It's good. Well, beer. I wasn't against Miller. I'm. I've been a Miller light guy for a, a minute. You know, that's like your go-to outside picnic beer. You know, but now I think it's it's the high life. For many reasons, it tastes better. The name, I mean, the name, High Life, the man, name. the High Life, the name. My, did my mic? Did my mic all of a sudden just sound a hell of a lot better? Yeah, yeah. I switched from my internal it, mic on my laptop to my actual microphone. Didn't forget this oh, time. I for, so I forgot to do that in the Kalamazoo episode, or the yeah, the second part two of the Kalamazoo series and real quick, I'm going to plug that. If, uh, if you listen to the show and you're interested in hearing about what's going on in Kalamazoo and this company called graphics packaging that is out there, not being the best, uh, resident in the city of Kalamazoo, uh, go ahead and listen. We're talking about, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because we came in on the tail end of it. So we came in hearing about what was going on. This just a quick, like sum up little synopsis, the cliff notes, uh, Kalamazoo. There's a company in, called graphics packaging that is in Kalamazoo. And it's been kind of being neglectful in its waste management and the odors that it's releasing in the city. And we talked to an environmental scientist in. Yeah. And yeah. And the city They're they're definitely kind of like almost turning a blind eye to it or whatever, but it's all coming to fruition. And there's a consent order now in Kalamazoo to get this company to do the right thing and actually take care of its wastes and the chemicals it's spewing into the air. And it's actually, it's, I don't want to say it's a fairy tale ending because the consent order has yet to be like come to fruition because they still got time, but it's looking like they might actually do what they're supposed to do. And it's just a perfect yes. example of activism, activism and people collectively raising their voices to take care of an issue without violence, and without violence and without. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much without violence and without uh destruction, to become a national story, which yeah. some people in the city are actually fond of. And if you want to learn more about it, there's, we have three episodes that were dropped within the last three weeks all about it. And get into the show. Yeah, we got a little movie coming up. Bell's working on it. We need to get together and get that going. We got a couple other cool things in the works that we don't want to announce just yet, but be excited because it's going to yeah. be something cool for the show, cool for you. Maybe open up our our network avenues to get more things going and pop it on the show to bring you a more exciting show. Show, 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 show. That was so redundant. <laughs> um, first things first. Crappy country corrodes Corey's cognitive competence. All right. So go go ahead. I've been loving you. I've been I'm just gonna say I've been loving you all week about this. <laughs> so at this point, anyone listening to the show, I'm sure heard the Jason Aldean song or heard one side of the other of it saying of talking about how it's it's the saving grace for the country. It's it's the new national anthem on one end. And on the other end, it's the most racist song in the entire world. 
it, it puts Johnny Rebel to shame. And <laughs> it's just the most racist thing you've ever seen. And they're both wrong. And I'm not here. And so here's my take, because I'm not here to try to tell you it's a super racist song or it's the new song of the of the decade of patriotism because that's where everyone's got it wrong everyone's arguing about this song about how it's either this this great piece about small town living by a guy named jason aldean who didn't write the song who grew up in a town the size of sterling heights which is roughly like two hundred thousand people bigger <laughs> no yeah. his city was make it's bigger than sterling heights isn't it yeah yeah this is some real small town living brother so, without further ado, and I don't know, like all of our avid listeners who follow us on uh, Facebook and stuff, they might have already seen this post, but I'm going to read it for everyone who's not following us on social media. The Jason Aldean song is trash. It's another pandering, emotionless song catering to all the check marks Nashville thinks country listeners want in order to cash checks. American flag, granddad's gun, small town living. The same cookie cutter phrases we've heard in country music over and over again since they started adding snap tracks to the genre and relabeling authentic artists as country and Western or Americana. Aldine didn't even write this song. It took, I kid you not, four people to write this song. Four people. And this is where the liberals get it wrong. While this song is the perfect example of mixing fear mongering nostalgia preconceived notions and the current political environmental to sell incur the current political environment to sell records it would be just another song that would inevitably blur into the same faux nashville sound or the same faux sound that nashville pushes out to make a buck fading out of existence and that's all it would have been but they make mountains out of molehills hate watching this crap song making it sound something bigger than it is This article is the like, and that's what I'm talking like that. There's an article that on NPR talking about this song, and it was just a trash article. It was art. It was titled "Jason Aldean's Small Town" as part of a long legacy with a very dark side. But it's just it was a trash article. <laughs> I, I yeah. appreciate some of NPR's writing, but this one was just trash. And that's all this would have been. But they make mountains out of molehills, or the liberals make mountains out of molehills, and hate watching this crap song and making it bigger than it is. This article is the perfect example of this, and you could tell the writer just looked up a few old country songs and Googled racist country songs and has no clue what she's talking about. When in reality, the song example, Oki from Muskogee by Merle Haggard, she uses to make the point is a satire song making fun of the very thing she says country music is. Country music history is full of influence from cultures all over the world, from Africa to Ireland, from Eastern Europe to South America. And this isn't a secret, but instead acknowledged and praised all throughout its history. So yeah, the song sucks, but it's not a dog whistle to kill minorities. Do small people not want riots in their towns? Sure, but why is that bad? And what are the non-existent chances of that even happening, that a dumb song had to be written about it? Talk about low-hanging fruit. Long story short, to my conservative friends, stop letting Nashville get away with stifling good artists that write songs you feel and replacing them with shitty pop songs with a little twang. To my liberal friends, stop trying to find racism in everything. It's muddying the conversation in our nation, in our nation's effort to ripping out the roots of real systematic oppression that rears its head in our country more often than we'd like. 
Coulter Wall just dropped a new album. Go and listen to that. And real quick, before I even go on, the Coulter Wall album is just absolutely phenomenal. There's more country in that song or in his album. I mean, yeah, just more country, more patriotism, more everything in that album than any of these people in Nashville wish they could exude. But they don't know how to do it because they keep stifling good artists. They just add snap tracks to shitty music like Jason Aldean, Florida Georgia Line, Brad, or no, what's his name? Not Brad Paisley. Brad Paisley is actually good. Fucking uh, Luke Bryan. I say I don't listen to any of them. Luke Bryan, his last good album was like Tailgates and Tan Lines. Uh, what song was it? I think like uh, Tailgate Blues. Like I catch my truck or I catch my bus in the black of night. Yeah. Yeah. That song. That's the one. In my own mind, I was working that one out. But uh, no, it's just in the whole song, and I'm sure you've heard it. If you haven't heard it and you like country, you're probably not going to like this song. Think, unless, you like, unless you like radio country. Because there's think, so many good fucking artists out there that are good country music. And Nashville just stifles them to make a buck. They're trying to impersonate. What Nashville is trying to impersonate right now to make more money is the pop music scene. Yeah. Go ahead. You, you were thinking something. Oh, I was just going to. No, I was just going to say. So you can talk about the song. A lot of people are mad about the video. So I guess in the video, it's, you know. In the video, it just shows a lot of scenes from the BLM riots that happened all throughout the country of people smashing windows, smashing cars. And it's like, oh, try that in a small town. And it's like, no, it's you listen to the Tyler Childers song. If cops in small towns were acting like they do in big cities, you would be seeing that in a small town. And everyone misses that fucking point because small towns are set up differently to where like sheriff officer friendly. Everybody fucking knows him and he knows everybody. So you're not going to have those scenarios where some guy is just assumes this person is nefarious because he has his hands in his pockets. He's going to go, oh, that's Method Matthew. <laughs> as long as he's not stealing copper from one of the houses, I'll let him be. Uh, you understand? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's right. just like so. So here's the. <laughs> well, I know, I know what you're saying, but here's the thing. I don't know. A lot of people are up in arms because there's a place in the video where he's. It's a lynch site, and I don't remember so necessarily what happens in the video. And I was going to ask you. So all he did, all he did was where he filmed the scene was in front of, I think, like the Capitol building in Tennessee. It's uh, but that uh, it's the county courthouse. Is it the I'm county actually, courthouse? It's the, is the county of, courthouse of Nashville. No, it's the Maury County Courthouse of Columbia or in Columbia, Tennessee. It's the site of the 1946 Columbia race riot. In the 1927 mob lynching of an 18-year-old black teenager named Henry Choate. Okay, so that's what I, I like. I'm just curious about this. Yeah, no, no, I get it, and that that that's I I promise you that is probably a hundred percent true. You know, I didn't look into that, but here's my right. thing. Nashville right now is trying to broaden its audience as evidenced by snap tracks because there was a huge there was a huge deviance that happened in nashville like in the early like or i'm saying the late aughts of the 2000s right and in the late aughts of the 2000s we had a couple really big 
good artists coming out on either side of the spectrum of like the bro country shitty stuff and the good stuff. We had an artist like mm-hmm. Jamie Johnson dropping music, like the song uh, Seed and Color. Um, Zach Brown Band came out with Chicken Fried. There was all right. sorts of real, authentic, good country sound coming out. But as good as that music was, Florida Georgia Line came out. And then their album superseded and did better because it appealed to a wider audience than the other country uh, country artists did. Right. So then when that came out, that's when you started to get the Jason Aldeans. Jason Aldean make uh his song make um he did a he did a collaboration with Ludacris. Uh yeah, you know, I remember Florida, that. Yeah. I forget the name of the song, but uh oh, Dirt Road or something like that. Chilling on a dirt road, laid back, you know, that song. Uh and so then that so it's Florida Georgia line and that type of music. Cadillac three music started to do perform better record sales wide wise than the authentic country sound. So they went full tilt into that. And that opened the door for the Jason L Deans for the, <laughs> for yeah. the Luke Bryans for, uh, you know, all of these, just the shitty country we have now. And so what happened is they went full tilt into that. And so they decided to broaden their audience. Did Jason Aldean film his music on a site in the South where there was a lynching at one point? He did. Unfortunately, based on the Southern's bloody history with slaves, you could probably spit up in the air anywhere yeah. down there. And where it lands, there was probably in, it was probably a scene where a black person was accosted or lynched or killed. Now, I like to really, really, really... Whenever I try to form an opinion on somebody and what they do, I really try to think about the intention. And I promise you, without knowing a single fucking thing about this, that <laughs> nobody in a boardroom, when they decided to film this, someone went, hey, let's intentionally film this where a lynching happened. Because you know what? That'll really broaden our audience and make more people listen <laughs> to country music. Am I right, boys? You know what I mean? Like that didn't fucking yeah. happen. Like it's like it just pisses me off that liberals constantly like muddy the conversation about systematic oppression in our country when there's real yeah. things happening. Like for example, we just had to have the Supreme Court tell what was it? I think uh, Alabama and also yeah. I think Mississippi to rewrite their fucking uh district lines because they were clearly gerrymandered to hurt minority groups Uh those things are happening focus on the real things don't focus on bullshit like this because all this is doing is delegitimizing your argument this is the jesse smollier of country music going on right now (laughs) or jesse smollett i don't even know how to say his last name i always feel like it sounds fancier than it is i always just say his name like dave chappelle does what does he say? Juicy smoothie. <laughs> Juicy smoothie. <laughs> Juicy smoothie. And yeah, it just, it pisses me off. And it pisses <laughs> me off so much because the song is 100% trash, but call it out for what it is. Don't make it a whole goddamn race thing. Like, why? Why? Because right. then Nashville gets to go, oh yeah, the song's still doing good and they're just pissed off about the wrong thing. When if we all just get together and tell them to stop making shitty country music. <laughs> It will fucking be fixed. And that's what makes me the maddest about it. 
And yeah. I'm going to end it with a letter that Sturgill Simpson wrote uh, back in like uh, roughly around 2016 about the state of the country music and what Nashville is doing, because there are so many artists that are agreeing with what I'm saying about stuff like this. The song just became a number one hit because the liberals number tried two. to. No, it was number one. Who was number Who was number one? I don't know. I was just seeing today. He was I think it, it was like, charts. oh, okay. Number two on the chart on the billboard charts. I think so. Yeah. Oh, you okay, might. Number, you, so what are you talking I'm about? Okay. Number, Apple country? music, Apple. No, Apple music. Oh, it was the number one most streamed okay. song. That's crazy. And it's funny because if people just listen to it, they're not even going to catch any of the, uh, controversial shit with it and they're like i don't get it It just sounds like another pandering ass country song you know before before you read your your letter from sergio though i just want to make a quick point which is really funny donald trump made his social media whatever it's called was it a truth truth social is that what it's called yeah truth the left did so much better at advertising for that than their own what's it called oh tribal yeah Oh yeah, the imagine echo chambers. If they, imagine if they tried half as hard to advertise their own social media website as they did Trump's. Yeah, well, so tribal is just occupied Democrats. I know. And if, I'm, if you let me go on a little bit of a tangent right now, it's funny. I just posted something on our social media page. <laughs> they just made this dumbass meme, and it was like, "Oh, wait till the right finds out that if they impeach Biden." Kamala Harris is next in line. Yeah. And, it's, and it's like, wait, what are you trying to say? <laughs> what are you trying to say? That she's worse? Right. Is this a big Occupied joke? Democrats was saying like the quiet part out loud. By That's the pie in the face. You get rid of Biden, then That's you the get pie. Harris. Because, no, for real. Like, for real. Think about it. If they legitimately thought Harris was better, they would they keep their mouth shut. Oh, my God. But they said the quiet part out loud by saying, yeah, you think he's bad. Wait till Kamala Harris enters the scene. And then Kamala Harris is going, you think this economy sucks now? Wait till I get my hands on it. (laughs) So Sergio Simpson said, many years back, back, much like Willie and Waylon had years before, Merle Haggard said, fuck this town. I'm moving. And he left Nashville. According to my sources, it was right after a record executive record executive told him that Current River was a bad song. And the last chapter of his career in his life, Nashville wouldn't call, play, or touch him. He felt forgotten and tossed aside. I always got a sense that he wanted one last hit, one last proper victory lap of his own. And we, and we all know he deserved it, yet it never came. And now he's gone. I'm writing this because I want to go on record and say I find it utterly disgusting that the way everybody on Music Row is coming up with any reason they can to hitch their wagon to his name while knowing full and damn well that what he thought about them. If the ACM wants to actually celebrate the legacy and music of Merle Haggard, they should drop all the formulatic cannon fodder bullshit they've been pumping down rural America's throat for the last 30 years along with all the high school pageantry, meet parade award show bullshit, and start dedicating their programs to more actual country music. While inventing about the unjust treatment of a bona fide American music legend, I should also add, 
if for no reason, if for no other reason than sheer principle and to get the taste, I've been choking back for months now out of my mouth that Merle was supposed to go on the cover of Garden and Guns magazine's big country music issue, along with myself a few months back. They reached out to both of us in October last year while I was on West on a West Coast tour. Merle was home off the road, so I took a day off and traveled up to Reading. He was so excited about it, and it goes without saying that I was completely beside myself, along with my grandfather, who was all who has always been a huge Merle fan. We spent the whole day of the interview visiting in his living room with our families and had a wonderful conversation with the journalist. Then we spent about two hours outside being photographed by a brilliant and highly respected photographer named David McClister. Until Merle had enough. He was still recovering from a recent bout of double pneumonia at the time, and it was a bit cold that day on the ranch. But then, last minute, the magazine editor put Chris Stapleton on the cover without telling anyone until they had already gone to prim. Don't get me wrong, Chris had a great year and he deserved a million magazine covers, but that's not the point. It's about keeping your word and ethics. Chris also knows this and he called me personally to express his disgust at the situation. Dude's a class act. The editor later claimed in a completely bullshit email apology to both Merle's publicist and ours, Chris and I share the same publicist, that they didn't get any good shots that day. David McClister, two-hour shoot, no good photos. Okay, buddy, whatever you say. Anyway, Merle passed away right after it came out. Some days, this town and this industry have a way of making me wish I could just go sit on Mars and build glass clocks. Sturgill. And that is the perfect culmination of what is happening in country music, and this song is the perfect example of it. Fuck the liberals and, <laughs> and all of you think they're saying how it's a racist song. Fuck the conservatives who think this is the new fucking national anthem. The song sucks. And that, that's, that's all I have to say about it. The song just fucking sucks. That's all. <laughs> like I know, and it's so funny because I keep posting on like Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh posts when they talk about the song and I'm like the song sucks and immediately everyone starts calling me like a dumb liberal and I'm like no it's not even about being a, I'm not even a liberal like fuck right. them this song just fucking sucks you're all sitting here allowing shitty music to be shoved down your throat when there's so much good music out there because it just makes you feel good it just makes you it just hits all. Oh yeah, God and guns. Amen, brother. There's no right. feel to that song. Motherfucker didn't even write it. Uh-huh. It took four people to write that song. Ah, uh, four people. Four. Do you want to move on? Yeah. Your blood pressure is high. It looks like Jesus. Yes, all I right. do want to move on. Well, but let's. How about we uh, update these people on the unions? <laughs> All right, we can do that. So the UPS just just uh, prevented a big strike of like three hundred forty thousand workers, and it was actually like one of the three, biggest three hundred forty thousand. Yes, is that what I said? I said three hundred forty thousand, right? You said four hundred thirty thousand. Oh, whoops! You're a little backwards. Just a little bit dyslexic. Yeah, I'm always okay. a little bit. Sorry, backwards. sorry, that was probably bad. As what, a, call me dyslexic because I got numbers mixed up? Isn't that like the DRSM like, know, I'm textbook t- textbook definition of dyslexia? Yeah. yeah. Mixing, mixing things up? <laughs> yeah. 
So the UPS, the Teamsters Union, who represents 340,000 workers in UPS, uh, they stood their ground and they negotiated a contract for these workers that will get them. Uh, so it starts wage increases at $21 an hour for part time. We're seeing historic wage, incre- wage increases existing full and part time. UPS Teamsters will get both true more per hour in 2023 and $7.50 more per hour over the length of the contract. The contract's five, uh, five years long. Existing part timers will be raised up to no less than 21 per hour immediately, and part time seniority workers earning more under the Earning more under a market rate adjustment will still receive all new wage general wage increases. General wage increases for part-time workers will be double the amount obtained in the previous UPS Teamsters contract, and existing part-time workers will receive a 48% average total wage increase over the next five years. Wage increases for full-time workers will keep UPS Teamsters the highest-paid delivery drivers in the nation, improving their average top rate to up to $49 an hour. Current UPS Teamsters working part-time would receive longevity wage increases of up to $1.50 per hour on top of new hourly weight raises, compounding their earnings. And on top of that, they're also getting more AC and ventilation in their trucks. Uh, there's going to be issues where they're not going to have to deal with mandatory overtime. This right here is the perfect example of collective bargaining doing what it's supposed to do. The Teamsters delivered yes. to the people that are paying them wages or paying them dues, you know. Like, and on this show, we 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 uh we definitely uh, judge, you know, and like we 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 side eye some of the unions and stuff like that, like teachers unions and things like that, who spend more of the money from the the dues on like giving campaign contributions to Democrats and stuff like that and endorsements. And these guys did what they're supposed to. This is Jimmy Hoffa's legacy right here. The guy who's probably in the pillar somewhere in I-696 because he was killed by the mob. Um, the president of the team's... <laughs> yeah, he could be anywhere. There's a lot of places to hide a body <laughs> in Metro Detroit. <laughs> Especially back then. Especially when the people who were trying to hide... The- oh, this is all legend, of course. But the people who were trying to hide the body who uh, own the waste management facilities and a bunch of uh, well, it's a crematoriums. Re- and- it's a real legend... It's a super legend around here because he only disappeared like seven miles from where we're recording right now. Yeah, the Red Fox. Right there over uh, on, what is it, on Livernoy? Well, it's yeah, not the so. Red Fox anymore, but it's um, right over there the, on Livernoy. Jimmy Hoffa could be, there could be parts of him strewn all over the place. The president of the Teamsters the Union. union. Yeah, because yeah, because he yeah, he was telling the mob to fuck off, wasn't he? I mean, I'm sure he was corrupt as yeah. shit too. But well, they were they were just trying to steal union dues. That's all. And he's he probably said no. The president of the Teamsters Union said Sunday that he has asked the White House on several occasions to make sure President Biden does not interfere with his ongoing negotiations with UPS, even with the possibility of a strike looming at the end of July. So do you think the president of the, of the Teamsters Union looked at how Biden, who pretends to be the most uh, labor, pro-labor president, and he just fucked all the real workers? <laughs> and then he was like, Probably no, we, want, we don't want your negotiation tactics. 
Well, probably that, and he, they probably knew that they were on a, a solid deal anyways, you know? So what's the point in getting the president involved in this and nationalizing yeah. this silly deal? That, yeah. do you think? Do you not think as, I mean, Biden, not silly deal, but. Biden getting involved might have politicized it. Oh, definitely would have politicized it, and that's not what they wanted to do at all. So it makes you wonder where they're going to throw their endorsement in the next election, too. It really you know depends. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the uh, I was going to get into it a little bit afterwards, but the UAW is still holding their endorsement for Biden. Yeah, UPS is a major partner of the retail industry, and we are grateful it came to an agreement with the Teamsters without disruption to the marketplace. Matthew Shea, CEO of the trade group, set uh, of a trade group, said in a statement: "Retailers rely on a stability within their supply chains, and this agreement will bring long-term stability." as well as assurances to the millions of businesses and employees who rely on smooth and efficient last mile delivery. So this just makes everyone happy. Yeah, but I'm happy because uh, apparently the couple of people that we know that work for UPS are happy with the deal. They're satisfied. So, I mean, what else can you ask for? Yeah, no, the Teamsters held their ground. and uh, You never hear that. You literally never what? hear that, like the like a union getting exactly what they want, like exact like you mentioned earlier, the train strike and all that. That nobody ever really gets exactly what they want. And usually, they, like you know, it's it's a kind of a match, like negotiations. Yeah. Both people walk away from the table with not everything that they want. Right, Teamsters got what they wanted. Yeah, they awesome. got the UPS to put up thirty billion more dollars on the table due to the negotiations. Yes, and it and Beautiful. and. Uh, the Teamsters General President Sean M. O'Brien said that it puts it sets a new standard in, la- in the labor movement. The tentative agreement is on safety issues were also reached, including equipping more trucks with air conditioning. And under the agreement, the company will create 7,500 full-time jobs and fill 22,500 open positions, allowing more part-timers to transition to full-time. Yes. Voting on the yep. contract begins August 3rd and will conclude August 22nd. But it sounds like a lot of the, the employees are happy with it. I think yeah, it's I roughly think like fifty. It, it's just over. It's it's probably split at the end of the day. It's probably like a 50-50 thing. But uh, my biggest thing is the implications of this shows that collective bargaining works. Well, it's it's also not a super long term deal either. So I mean, it's five years. It's a five year contract. It's right. It's a five year contract. You have incentives. You're making more money at the end of it that's a guarantee and then you get the chance to negotiate after five years and and if the workers deliver they just have more stuff to bring to the table about it and yeah and it's like i think this i don't want to be optimistic or too blissfully optimistic but i think this might undo the shit show that biden created with the with the rail labor workers you know what i mean like this right Uh, here shows you know, because unions right now, we did those polls a couple like yeah. at this point, like two months ago. But like, uh, the approval rating for or, and like the saddest, like the approval rating and a positive look on unions and themselves is at its highest uh, percentage since like the fifties, and it's at like seventy percent. Now, leaders of unions, they still are looked at like equivalent to like Congress members. People don't trust them, but. This right here, it shows that 
collective bargaining works. And this is a bellwether yeah. for a lot of people that we've been saying on our show now. It's been we've been saying it before you even joined the show, Bell. Don't quit. Unionize. If you don't like your job, mm-hmm. don't quit. Try to start a union because they'll fire you anyways. <laughs> but in the very <laughs> least, you're ma- you. But if you don't get fired, you're making your workplace molded into something that's more sustainable for you to where you can make a decent living. Right. Going continuing with unions, the UAW right now is holding off on endorsing Biden. Why? Why do you think, Bell? Because he's not good at negotiating deals for the union. He's not yeah, not even for the worker. You, you can't just say you're pro union. Yeah, no, the guy isn't even sticking to his basic principles of things he said that he was going to do in his campaign promises when it came to things like uh, he said he was going to end contracts with any company that isn't like pro-union or pro-labor, but yet mm-hmm. they keep signing deals with Amazon, who has yes. spent millions of dollars and is in court for things like stifling unions. Uh, so the UAW right now is actually, they're looking at an impending strike as well. Uh, recent talks laid the groundwork for the union's position. The UAW will seek general pay raises, the elimination of wage tiers, and the restoration of cost of living pay and pensions for new hires that were eliminated years ago when the automakers were struggling financially. So I think that's really important to mention because of the fact that back in 2008, Michigan was hit. Michigan got hit probably, if not the hardest, it was one of the hardest states hit when it came to uh, uh, the recession and wage loss and job loss and home foreclosures and all that stuff, because the big three was hit really hard. And now the big three is doing phenomenally well. And the union, the union workers want to get back to on track to where they were at before pre uh, uh, pre pre recession. And I think personally, the UAW is holding off on endorsing Biden because this strike is probably going to happen. And if it does, they want to see where Biden, what Biden's going to do about it. Because if Biden fucks the UAW, like it did the real workers. Yep. Then they are not going to endorse him. That's what I was going to say. They, I mean, the railroad strike. I mean, it's funny too. Cause you look, you look at all these articles and stuff and like just about the UPS and Tuesday's agreement. This is from routers, right? Tuesday's agreement, which must be ratified by union members, cinches another win for transportation labor groups, railroad airline and West coast seaport workers have all seen their bargaining hand strengthened by labor shortages and public support for those who risked their lives early in the pandemic to keep the U S economy functioning. No, the railroad workers got fucked. They did. They, they wanted. Tra- they were fighting for something similar to UPS was, and Biden routers, stepped in and didn't let them. Yep, and all these people are sitting to sit here and write and let you believe and let everybody believe that the railroad workers got some big package and some. They didn't get anything. What do they? They got like no, it's six. No, so <laughs> what happened was they all wanted their sick days and things like that. Yeah, and the Biden and the Biden uh, administration stepped in and stopped it. And then about roughly, it's been what, like maybe five months? Yep. 
at uh, least six, six months maybe yeah so yeah, maybe like, even six or seven months now we're at this point where like roughly like 60 percent, i think of the rail workers are now getting their sick days and things like that so it's like oh good job good job big government right if you would have let these unions do what they wanted, those companies would have folded a hundred percent. If they were actually, if if uh-huh. the government actually showed that they were on the side of the worker, and profits over people, and, and instead, the government steps in, shuts down the union, gets only roughly half of the union workers their actual yeah. what they if wanted, that. and then yeah. calls it a win. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give Biden a D on that one because he only got 60% of the workers what they need. Mm-hmm. When and it's and it what pisses me off is it's not better just than that. zero, better than zero, but not as yeah. good as a hundred. And oh. <laughs> and what pisses me off is like if he would have allowed that to go through, it would have shown that the administration is on the side of collective bargaining. And it would have allowed all the other workers in our country to know that they had the full support of the government to do the same. And all guess what? Shut the fuck up. You know what the ultimate end game would be? More people working 40 hours a week and not relying on the government for subsidies. But his <laughs> economy under him at that time was in shambles and didn't want to fuck it up. And it's just frustrating. And it frustrates me how they spin it around and go, oh, well, they're working on it. It's like, no, it was work done. Get the fuck out of the way, government. They would have got yeah. it done. Yeah, the UPS seen the writing on the wall. They did. Yeah, the fucking Teamster unit told Biden to not get involved. That's yeah. just, that cracks me up. And then the UAW, like one of the other biggest unions in the country, is uh, not endorsing him. So I don't See, give a, a people- shit what Biden says about him being the most pro-union, pro-labor union country in the world or uh, president ever it's just not true i don't know if anybody else in the country sees as many like union buildings as we do you know driving around like but you drive around metro detroit or in detroit even a lot and they are everywhere oh yeah yeah they're all they're all uaw buildings Unions are so concentrated in metro detroit that there's bars that like we just it's just you know like well that's a union bar Union workers go to that bar after work. So, my God, right, right so, by me, RJ's. I love going in there and talking to him because you do. You get people with political ideas all across the spectrum, and you could pick a fight with anyone in there in an argument about right. any sort of trivial thing. And then all of a sudden, if you switch it to class, they're on the same page as you, and it's a beautiful thing because fundamental because. My values are fundamental. So I was thinking, I was figuring out how to word this the other day. Fundamentally, I'm libertarian, but my values lie in supporting the working class over the elites. It's very oxymoronic, but kind of, but not because this is the way I explain it away because. If unions had more strength, that's individuals fighting for their collective bargaining. That's not the government doing it. Right. Those are that's people. And if unions had enough gusto and enough strength behind them with an administration that actually backed them, you could diminish things like OSHA. You could diminish things like all these different regulations for workers and stuff like that because the unions are going to fight for those if you have a competent union. 
So like if you were libertarian, more union means smaller government. And be, and I say more unions mean smaller government because of the fact that unions fight for living wages for their employees. That could you imagine if Walmart was unionized? All those employees would be getting decent wages. We wouldn't need to spend four point six billion dollars on welfare, section eight, housing, things like that. And I'm not knocking those programs. People need them, but I'd rather see less people on them because I'd like to see people being able to work forty hours and afford a house or a roof over their head and food on the table. And, it's like an 85. Yeah, and pursue the American dream without having to rely on the government for shit. The L. Bundy life? The L. Bundy life, yes. Shoe salesman, got a nice house, whole family. Yeah, fuck, even right, the king of queens, the, the, the king of queens life. Yeah. And it's funny because that's IPS, this is UPS. It's like the same thing even. <laughs> All right, uh, on to the next. Another, some the more good pre- news. The Stop Predatory Investing Act and its implications. The and implication. Implications, yeah. You know, the girl, the girl, if she's on a boat with you, the implication. You're not going to do anything, but the implication. <laughs> right. Bring a girl on a date on a boat. <laughs> what does what that say? He goes, if you bring a girl on a date on a boat, uh, she's more likely to... Uh, let loose and sleep with you because of the implication. Yeah. You're on the a boat. You're all alone. You're in the middle of the water. Anything can go wrong. <laughs> it's, it, it sounds like you want to rape these women. It sounds like you're going to do them harm. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do them harm. But it's the implication that I might. <laughs> it sounds like you're harming women. No, no, it's not what I'm talking about. Oh, so the stop predator. Anyways, that's a that was uh it's always sunny if anyone listens to that show or watches <laughs> that show. If if not, it sounds like we are predators, and that's not what we're trying to say. We're quoting a show. I was gonna say something. Go ahead. No, that that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say disclaimer, we're not predators because you know, Corey covered it. Yeah, Dennis is from It's Always Sunny. Yeah. The Stop Predatory Investing Act, introduced by Senators Sherrod Broad from Ohio and Ron Wyden from Oregon and others, would restrict investors who purchase 50 or more single-family rentals from deducting interest or depreciation. New single-family homes. I don't know if it's all single-family. It's new. I think it's all. I think so it's all. No, I think the, it's the all. Text, oh, that'd be good because... It, so I'm on... I'm, I'm, my... my uh, I'm re- I'm I'm citing this from uh, the Hill. I'm I got it. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. And uh, no, you're good. And if you go, from who? Uh, the bill. Oh, you got the bill in front of you, no, and it's saying reading, new. Keep reading, keep reading. Okay. Um, it would restrict investors who purchase fifty or more single-family rentals from deducting interest or depreciation on those properties from their taxes. And so what this is basically doing, so as we continually get technology and apps and things more integrated into our lives, things like Zillow things and things like Airbnb have become more prominent in our day-to-day living. And in the beginning, Airbnb seemed like a good idea. You know, you own a cottage somewhere or, you know, or you have your house and you do a lot of traveling. You can double down on your on your uh, income 
and rent your house out when you're not home or rent out your second home to make some supplemental income on it. That's a great idea. The problem is, as soon as companies like Black, uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and, and Zillow and Redfin and all Airbnb. Really, Airbnb uh, well, Airbnb is like the middleman. Oh, yeah. That's right. But uh, these big companies just started buying up houses in bulk at like wholesale value from these comp from like realtor investors and stuff like that. And then it's, and then taking them off the market. And then instead of them being a, just a, a starter home for people to buy, it's now just a rental property that people can rent from Airbnb and you're not renting it from a, just yeah, running a small mom owner. and pop. Yeah. You're not, you're, yeah, you're not renting it from a homeowner in a lot of cases. No. Now you're renting it from a rental property. Mm. They're rent like a like a giant landlord, not like a small mom and pop landlord, but a giant real real estate investment firm. Uh, and so, in too many com- communities in Ohio, big investors funded by Wall Street buy up homes that could have gone to first time home buyers, then jack up rent, neglect repairs, and threaten families with eviction. Brown said in a statement, "Our bill will help prevent corporate landlords from driving up local housing prices and put power back in the hands of working families." who need a safe, affordable place to live and raise their children. He added, the bill would also offer incentives to investors to to sell single-family rentals back to homeowners or community nonprofits and help bolster housing supply by allowing owners to continue receiving tax deductions on homes financed using low-income tax credits. It's, it's It's just interesting to me because like the housing shortage in our country is superficial. It's like almost by design. Yes. New houses are built, big companies come in and buy them, and then they're taken off the market. Here, and then I'm so these send, smaller... Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to send you a link to the bill itself. Okay. Because um, what this is doing is uh, it's making it to where people aren't building small homes because they're like they're not getting... Uh, no, that's, that's just... No, never mind. Never mind. That was just some tangent i was going off trying to formulate an idea in my head but it well what i will tell you so the bill itself it says the stat predatory investing act would prohibit an investor who acquires 50 or more new single family rental homes after the date of enactment from deducting interest or depreciation on those properties. If an investor sold one of those properties to a home buyer or qualified nonprofit, they can deduct the interest and depreciation for the year in which the property is sold. Okay. So also, basically they're grant, they're, they're giving them the opportunity to be grandfathered in like yeah. you had your cash grab, knock it off, but they're also giving them the incentives to sell them to make a shit ton yep. of deductions. Also, you mentioned Ohio and that's crazy. In 2021, Cleveland saw an overall of 16% of homes purchased by investors only. And in one zip code, 70% of the homes bought in that year were from uh, investors. Yeah. Only. And this is just artificially uh, decreasing, or this is superficially decreasing the supply of homes, increasing, increasing the demand. The va- and yeah. Basic economics, when there's less supply than there is of demand, housing prices skyrocket because now instead of a hundred houses being for sale to 150 buyers who can negotiate prices over the big pool, there's 10 houses for sale for 150 buyers. And now everyone is offering $20,000 down payment sight unseen 
And if you got the cash, you can do it, leaving all of the other workers whose wages have been stifled since the 70s being able to buy a home. These big corporations are literally destroying the American dream, and they're in bed with our government, both Democrat and Republican. And that goes back to us, how we talk about we have a giant uniparty who is just two wings of the same bird fucking everyone over. But every once in a while, some of them come out and do things like this. Like Josh Holly also, he just he just uh he's recently introduced a bill to stop uh people in government being able to invest and buy stocks and things like that. Josh Holly gets a lot of shit, but sometimes he comes out with some pretty decent bills. I'm the they actually put some numbers in the bill, which um if you care, I'll I'll read them to you because this is um it's kind of it's truly stifling. The National Association of Realtors reported that institutional buyers bought over 13% of the homes sold in 2021, with purchases purchase rates as high as 28% in Texas, 19% in Georgia. While small investors own a large number of rental homes, large institutional investors increased their purchases at the height of the pandemic and have continued to purchase a significant share of single-family homes. Share of investor purchases is made by large investors with portfolios of 100 properties or more grew from 14% in September 2020 to 26% in September 2021. That's one year. Large investors are also particularly concentrated in certain markets and neighborhoods. In Atlanta, 25% of the homes purchased in 2021 were bought by investors. In certain Atlanta area zip codes, the percentages jumped to over 50%. In Phoenix, 21% of the purchases went to large investors in 2021. Uh, I read you the Cleveland statistic. Um, many large investors rely on technology. Like you said, it's a robot just buying houses up. They're mm-hmm. lower cost of funds and their ability to pay all cash to outcompete aspiring homeowners. And their purchases also typically focus on smaller, more affordable homes, taking critical starter homes that could otherwise go to the first time home buyers out of the market. Yeah. And the best way to build wealth in this country is a starter home. And you're literally kneecapping all of the workers. And it's it's interesting how, like you said, in 2021, when all this upticked and went insane, so did housing prices. During the pandemic. Yeah. And remember how housing prices went through the roof during the pandemic? We were all about to buy a house. <laughs> you and I both were reared up to buy houses. And then shit just went <laughs> insane. And now I'm still rearing up to buy a house because I'm waiting for all this stuff to subside. And bills and like it, this are going to be ones that help make that happen. It was. It wouldn't happen. Uh, if this new, happen. new home building is also on an all time high. I think right now too, or not maybe not an all time high, but like it's it, it's a, it's very strong. Well, why pay this much money for a house when you can build buy a property and have somebody build it for you? I, the, yeah, the, like Redfin data. Redfin data showed that investors purchased $27.5 billion worth of homes in the metros the company tracked in the first quarter. The thing I won't agree with... 41% of the homes they purchased were starter homes. The thing I don't agree with in the first is the first sentence of this bill, though. It says, we face a shortage of 3.8 million homes and aspiring homeowners across the country are unable to find a place they cannot afford. The second part, true. We do not have a shortage of homes. That's a fact. Right. Well, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's artificially shortened. Yes, it's an artificial shortage, and that's uh, you know, so like Dan in our pre-show yesterday before Dan lost power, he brought up a point. He goes, "Well, it would be kind of anti-libertarian to try to stifle these corporations from buying these homes." 
And my my uh, counterpunch to that was, sure, but libertarians also oppose crony capitalism, monopolies, and things like that. And what yes. this is doing is stifling capitalism because this is hurting the economy. Absolutely. Yeah, I just... I felt, the same, I, I felt the same way. I felt the Wait, same real quick, way. Here we go. All I see is a pair of mama's boys who don't want to work hard and save. You're not committed to the grind. Watch Andrew Tate. What do you got to say to that, Bell? <laughs> for life just said that. <laughs> Get a PlayStation 4, you scrub. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the five is out. <laughs> nah, it's just my boy, I used to play Virtue Fighter. Who, uh, that brings just me back. In. Thanks for following the show because I have Twitch set up. You have to follow to comment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bitching. Um, Sega Saturn for and, uh, life, dude. That's I he obviously. I don't know sorry. where he hopped in at, but he missed the point where I said <laughs> anyone working forty hours a week shouldn't have to rely on the government for shit. So I don't understand why we're not working hard and saving. Oh, maybe he's saying that we don't want to work hard and save because maybe he's saying we don't want to work hard and save because we're bitching about how crony capitalism and the government being involved with big corporations is artificially raising the wage rate, artificially raising the prices of homes, destroying the American dream and destroying capitalism. So maybe that's maybe maybe he's uh maybe he likes crony capitalism and self-serving politicians. I don't know. He did. Thanks for following. He did the say show, something man. I do. He did say something I do agree with, which is Virtue Fighter is better than Tekken. Which yes, yes, I miss the old. I miss Virtue Cop. I'm man. I yeah. Uh, I like this nice? guy. Right <laughs> nice. Hello. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, we're not bad mouthing capitalism. All right, now he just said we're bad mouthing capitalism. Nah, no, 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 he's misconstruing our words. You don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> no, no, we like capitalism, we don't like oligarchies and crony capitalism that are propagated by capitalism. Capitalism is why Sega stopped making systems. I hope he knows that. Yeah, they got they got uh oh yeah, no, they just capitalism the market beat out Sega, didn't it? They were yeah, then the uh they came Sega. out the Sega Dreamcast and they didn't realize you could burn the game. If you want to play if, dude, Nintendo owns Sonic now or Sony, I don't know which one of them does, but it's not Sega, I don't know. Or they own the rights to him, I don't know. They probably still get some money from him, but <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're large fans of capitalism. We don't like crony capitalism. We don't like oligarchies. Yeah. And we don't like the two parties that are propagating it. On to the next, shall we? Yeah. The Pentagon propagating propaganda. You like that alliteration? He supports Stalin now, so... Yeah, I do like that. <laughs> you did that hey, a couple times know? tonight. I liked, I liked all of it. I liked all. Oh, of the them. Oh, oh, all of my uh, my alliterations. Crappy, crappy country corrodes Corey's cognitive competence. Union updates. Too bad you couldn't yeah. do the Predatory Investing Act. No, that's good. That the predator- stopping Predatory Investing Act. You know, fuck BlackRock. Fuck Van- Vanguard. 
Anyone who's no, a true I mean, like proponent the, of capitalism should agree with us, unless they're just trying to troll. The alliteration. Just the oh, alliteration oh, would have been... Thanks, man. I appreciate you looking out for my alliterations. I put a lot of thought and time yeah. into those. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the Quincy Institute recently came out with an article talking about think tanks. And there are think tanks in the United States that are a go-to resource for media outlets seeking expert opinions on pressing public policy issues. But think tanks often have entrenched stances. A growing body of research has shown that their funders can influence their analysis and commentary. This influence can include, it can include censorship, both self-censorship and more direct censorship of work unfavorable to a funder, and outright pay-for research agreements with funders. The result is an environment where the interests of the most generous funders can dominate think tank policy debates. One such debate concerns the appropriate level of U.S. military involvement in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Since Vladimir Putin's illegal and disastrous decision to launch a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, the United States has approved approximately $48.7 billion in military spending. Despite the very real risk that escalations could lead to direct U.S. military involvement in the war, very few think tanks have critically scrutinized this record-setting amount of U.S. military existence. So basically, what's going on right now is all of the think tanks that our mainstream media outlets look to, based on like the public opinion of the country, are being funded by the very people who are making money on the war happening in Ukraine. So all these all these media outlets that are getting their information from think tanks to get just a uh, to get like a to get a meter on where the uh, the thought process of all of uh, the American psyche is is uh, yeah. tainted by the Pentagon. Uh, Within the context of public debate about U.S. military involvement in the Ukraine war, this brief investigates Department of Defense and DOD contractor funding think tanks, those organizations' advocacy efforts for policies that would benefit those funders, and the media's predominant reliance on think tanks funded by the defense sector. The analysis finds that the vast majority of media mentions of think tanks and articles about U.S. arms and the Ukraine war are from think tanks whose funders profit from U.S. military spending, arms sales, and in many cases, directly from U.S. involvement in the Ukraine war. These think tanks also regularly offer support for public policy solutions that would financially benefit their funders without disclosing these apparent conflicts of interest. While this brief did not seek the, to establish a direct casualty between think tank policies, recommendations, and their arms industry funding in the case of the Ukraine war, we find a clear correlation between the two. We also found that media outlets disproportionately rely on commentary from defense sector, defense sector uh, funded think tanks. And so I was on the uh, like first of the 27 think tanks whose donors could be identified, 21 received funding from the defense sectors. That's 77% bell. Unfortunately, because donor discloses voluntary, disclosure is voluntary, we cannot determine the percentage of think tank funding that is derived from these defense contractors. So the media is getting a bunch of their information on the pulse of the nation from think tanks that are funded by the Pentagon. That are That is funded by... The Pentagon. The Pentagon. The so a big contributor also to the Quincy Institute is this is not a conspiracy, is 
the two biggest contributors are Charles Koch and George Soros. Which, which is, is super fucking interesting. The biggest yeah. funders of the Quincy Institute are a Koch and Zoros. Now, I just Zoros felt weird saying that. I felt like a, I felt like a weird like a, like a, one of those people. You know what I mean? I felt like one of those people yeah, just yeah, saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's just you know on the it's show we always for me say to say follow it. the money. But here yeah, we have George Zoros. Here it is, the super super leftist that everyone thinks is terrible. That's on everyone on the right thinks George Zoros is the devil, and that everyone on the left thinks the Koch brothers are the devil. And here they are coming together to talk about, and it's like the, the, you said that the Quincy Institute is based on the name of John Quincy Adams, who is the one who's quoted for saying, uh, do not go chasing monsters abroad, go abroad in search of monsters or go not abroad in search of monsters to destroy. Yeah. But I'm going to say what our country now does. This is where George Soros stands. And then there's no angel on this side. It's just Charles Koch. <laughs> this, is, this is this is the Quincy Institute. It's just interesting how behind the scenes how that happens, how they're both how two of the biggest philanthropists when it comes to political movements are both coming together to say, "Hey, stop your endless wars and stop your bullshit uh faux imperialism in the countries abroad, like Syria. We're over here bitching about Ukraine being in Russia." While we still occupying a third of Syria, and guess what? That third, uh, guess what's underneath the ground in that third of Syria? Oil. Mm. Um. So I can't. <laughs> oh, you were like, do you? Th- are you laughing at this comment? Yeah, I like this guy. He said the left went insane for Ukraine as the wise prophet Alex Stein primetime 99 said. <laughs> Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five song White Lines plays his campaign song. Well, either that or Cocaine Carolina by David Allen Coe. If you missed the beginning of the show, I just went on a long country a rant about country music. <laughs> but yeah, probably. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff heating up right now with the whole hunter biden thing and like the democrats are trying so damn hard to stifle it and and it's the same thing republicans miss the miss the point they keep getting stuck on the cocaine thing when there is billions of dollars being laundered through lawyers and shell companies like 17 million while biden was vice president you hear that thunder Oh, and yeah, it's just that was it's like, and so that's one of my biggest qualms with the right with the whole Biden thing. It's the same thing the left does, how they just miss, just swinging a miss. They're not focusing on the real meat and potatoes. They're focusing on the frills and how it's presented. And here we have everyone focused on Biden taking photos like a crazy crackhead because he was a crazy crackhead. Like no one should be surprised that he's taking nude photos of himself because that's the type of things that does crazy it, crackheads do. Does it? And they're not you? focusing on the billions of dollars being uh, in bribery and extortion that the Hunter Biden uh, and his ilk allegedly was doing. That the IRS is continually coming out about a Democrat member or a Democrat employee of the IRS was just this uh, was just in a hearing either today or yesterday. Yeah about it does it bother you that we're literally the only country on the earth 
like France, they got a gas tax and they were throwing chairs through windows and setting streets on fire. We probably dished out that much money in Hunter Biden bullshit. Right. And we don't even care. Nobody cares. Like they, they just care about the Hunter Biden thing. They don't care about the money. They don't care about none of that. Why are my taxes going up? Like you just because you don't care. You don't care. Right. You got the Air Force, or is it? I think it was the Air Force last year or the year before. They they were charging, like they were billing the government. It was ten thousand dollars for a coffee cup. Yeah. Nobody yeah. gave a fuck. No one gives a shit. Nobody fucking cares. I'm like what? It's ten like, thousand like the price. A hundred thousand or like a million dollars, or was it like two million dollars spent on whether or not cocaine would make uh birds more sexually active? Yeah. Uh frogs. Rand Paul. Yeah, yeah, Rand Paul was talking about it. And he goes, I don't think we need to spend that much money to know that cocaine makes you more horny. <laughs> right. <laughs> Newsflash, it does. All right. So yeah, so basically. Pentagon's propagating narratives. Surprise, surprise. All you have to do is read manufactured consent by Noam Chomsky to know that that's a fact. Yeah. We got one more topic. Yeah, let's get it. Bud Light in Bev v. DeSantis. The imbecilic showdown nobody asked for. Mm. So if you've been been listening to our show, you'll know that uh, we're not fans. We're not fans of DeSantis, and here's why. He claims to be a conservative and a representative of a sect of the country that is supposed to be about small government. But what this guy continues to do is expand the power of the government to uh, fight a bullshit culture war that at the end of the day doesn't have any sort of uh, impact on the day-to-day living in America of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And his recent stint is he's suing InBev because of the fact that they had a terrible, fucking terrible marketing blunder. No one, all their whole marketing team must have been asleep at the wheel and decided to go completely against the brand they created and the demographic that they sell to and decide to dabble in the, uh, the LGBTQ community because they thought they could make a quick buck and they really didn't give a shit as evidenced by the whole uh, like curtailing they did afterwards and the terrible way they tried to stifle the fires that were happening when they saw their stock prices plummet. I mean, they pulled out the, the Clydesdales for God's sake. Yeah. They're like, oh, that was what to do. we got to pull out the Clydesdales. I'm sure yeah. the, uh, I'm sure the Bud Light or the Budweiser frogs are next. And that was uh, the most desperate thing they could have done. Oh, dude, the, the, dude, it was so bad. It showed, like they had the Clydesdale running in New York saying, We were here for you. And we don't forget. And, like showing like, 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 like where the trade towers were and stuff like that. They're like, Please, here's all the tear jerking shit we can throw your way. Please listen to us or please drink our beer again. But so DeSantis has tried to expand the power of the state by now sending 
his attorney general, I believe, to investigate InBev because their terrible marketing plan of a private company hurt the pension funds of the teachers and all the government workers in Florida. And so I'm going to do my best to do a DeSantis impersonation here. And he oh says, when you start, oh, I don't know if I can do it now. No, no, take a second. Take a second and no. do it. Take a second. Take your breath. Woosa for a second, because this is good. It's when worth you it. start pursuing a political agenda at the expense of your shareholders, that's not impacting very wealthy people. It impacts hardworking people who were police officers, firefighters, and teachers in terms of their pension. So we're going to be launching an inquiry about Bud Light and InBev, and it could be something that leads to a derivative lawsuit filed on behalf of the shareholders of the, of the Florida pension fund at the end of the day. There's got to be penalties when you put aside the focus on your social agenda at the expense of hardworking people. Anheuser-Busch InBev takes out... Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was uh, the spokesperson for Anheuser-Busch. Well, that's all I got. It was, it's terrible. But no, it's 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 so good, so bad that it's good though. <laughs> he, he you know, like I can't get his cadence down. I just all I can do is Florida. But, but it's like <laughs> the that. It's it's of the Florida. Sad. He has that like, <laughs> like that's yeah. That. Like okay, so you're so now you're going to oh. put an inquiry. You're going to use the strong arm of the government to put an inquiry into a private company who just did a bad job at marketing. That's what you're going to do. The, the, the small, the, the, the person who's supposed to be a part of the party of small government is going to continue to expand I, the small government. Nothing drives me more crazy in politics than being hypocritical. And none of these parties all like understand either that like what you, what the other party does to you or what you do to them, they're going to do to you. So when you have, especially because all and these then, you Republicans know, it's, it's have funny companies. You say that actually. It's really funny you say that. And it's actually what you're saying. Like the fact that DeSantis is doing this stuff is the perfect example because liberals, the neoliberals started this whole movement. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's instead of qualshing it and doing, I mean, you at this point you have to eat the shit. You're going to go do an inquiry. You're going to spend all the money. And then what? Yeah. Tax you're going you're, you're to try to collect money from a Belgian company on some bullshit. Come on. Yeah. It's just, it's just fucking stupid. He's, it's, he's diving hard into this culture war bullshit. Yeah. And you know, and granted <laughs> it works really, really well in a Ruby red state like Florida. You thought that Jim Caviezel movie but was, not, but ugh. you're not running in the ruby red state of florida you're running for all 50 states yeah no, you got him off because he had people like during covid he he got a lot of stuff right during covid yeah no he's already I'll gone i'll give him that lost, i'll give him the credit that people he, i'll give him the credit that he got a lot of things right when it came to the covid he did the pivot where one of our biggest qualms with our democratic governor here in Michigan didn't do because he shut down Florida as well. He yeah. tries to pretend he kept it open, but he shut it down. Florida was shut down, but it was but different. When the data was coming out and showing that it only affected like really old people. You didn't get it in, 
like you yeah, but you also have to remember like, how much how much of the population the of there a lot of people died in Florida, dude. It's also a very populous state. Yeah, a lot of people also died in Michigan. A lot of, a lot a lot of died people retire. A lot of people lot died of, in California. A lot of people died in New York. A lot of people died in general. And what you saw was the extremes of both sides. Like, yeah, it really. No matter true. what they did, it just it just happened. There, you know, in hindsight, yeah. it sucks. You know, I lost a twenty three year old cousin. He was one of one of my best fucking friends. Yeah, and it still tears me up when I think about it. But the government just destroying their word and their legitimacy over all of this on either side of the spectrum didn't help anyone in all of I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. They did put the wrong doctor on the job. Oh, in Michigan? No, Fauci. Oh, Fauci? Yeah. Oh no, yeah, the guy the guy was shitty. He was shitty in the 80s. They had they had to come Oh my to the god. Point. It had to come people to the did- point of gay people oh. spreading the ashes of their dead loved ones on the floor of the White House lawn. For Fauci and the government to do anything. That dude literally created a stigma. Like the worst stigma. Oh yeah, he de- 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 he delegitimized a lot of the institutions in our country that we're supposed to look to and, wow. and like imagine None what's gonna that. happen when the next COVID happens. Oh yeah. Why do you think why do you think like especially a lot of these like anti-gay people, why do you think that they think AIDS is around? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh well, the gay community. It's like it's not even that. It's more prevalent, sure, but it's not. <laughs> like, come on. But uh, not to get off on too much of a tangent, the yeah, libertarians tough. have you know the best the best solution for this whole pension debacle, and you know what it is, right? Hmm. Allow, and it's the same thing for Social Security. All that money that you put into a pension, if you're a federal worker. Or all that money that you put into Social Security your entire life that gets maybe a 1% return. Instead of putting that money into the government to be a middleman to just sit there and put it in a fund that they say is untouchable, but then they just constantly pull money out of it and throw it into the slush fund. We should be able to put all that money just into our own 401k accounts. Yes. Or into any other account. You want to know a trick that I learned? Um, An IRA, Roth, anything. any right. A betterment account. Anything that you can do individually and make those moves on yourself. Because guess what? One person might not do good. I don't care how many. Right. I was going to say, I don't care how how many people here. Let me say this really, really quick. I don't care how many people hear this, but when you take your money and put it in a savings account in a bank, they take that money and they put it in a Roth IRA. They collect the 12% return on that money and give you your 1% 1%, or 2%. And then... Blah, blah, blah. You just go get a Roth IRA. You get your twelve percent. Go on. Yeah, exactly. Instead of instead of relying on a pension fund that's going to be stifled and like get pulled away from you when a city goes into bankruptcy or anything like that, instead of doing things like that, just let individuals put that money into their own four hundred one k. You'll get a way higher return. And banks do better, anyways. Everybody does better when everybody just better when you do that, anyways, because. Because they're monetarily, they're profit driven. They're monetarily incentivized. Yes. They, they, if, if they're not making you money, they're not making money. And it doesn't even really create a bubble because everything's there. You know what I right. mean? No, yeah. And you just do it smart. Like me, like, uh, like now that I'm, since right now I'm younger, you know, if you're like 50 or 60, when you have a 401k going, you make your, uh, you make your investments way less aggressive, way more conservative. So they're more secure. But when you're young like us, I could go and I can get 30% returns on some of my investments. Yeah. And then when I get older, and because but 
that 30% return could also be a 30% loss, but I can weather that storm because I'm younger. Right. You it's don't worth have it that, anyways. You don't have that option to be to, of maneuverability and do things like that with a, with a, a social security or a pension. Exactly. Now, There's no granted, flexibility. There's literally granted, zero flexibility. Those should still be options. If someone doesn't want to uh, do the market and wants to do social security, but whoever's putting that money in their own social security account, it shouldn't be a part of a general fund. Yes. That's why I don't you agree can, with social security at all. No, no. If, I, I would, if, so, if social security I would was a fund versus social security. I would much rather take that like 20% chunk that's taken out of my paycheck. That's going to get a 1% return 60 years from now. And put into a a, a, a Are you very, that much very taken out. I don't know how much it is. It's it's a lot. It's no, it can't be that. It's gotta be like eleven percent. Even still, okay, it feels like twenty percent. It's still okay. it's it's a lot of money being taken out of my check. Okay. And getting a one percent return on it. I'd rather put it into a very, very fiscally conservative, like invested in like coal or gold. And get like a three or four percent yield over over how many years? No, you're you right. I mean, absolutely. I was I, had, I was gonna say I have a stub here somewhere. I was gonna see how much percentage I get taken out of my check for my social security, just for shits and giggles. But I don't seem to. Oh, oh yeah. See, so here, uh, Sega Saturn for life actually nailed it right on the head. What I was saying, he goes, I can't fault Hunter Biden for being on that good ship. He seems like he'd be fun to hang out with, but you are right that the Republicans are just being idiots about it. They don't have the votes for impeachment and MTG is on the house floor with placards of Hunter having sex with hookers or whatever. <laughs> and exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying is just, they're muddying the conversation and both sides does it. And it's just, and that's basically the, uh, the premise of our show is we're trying to <laughs> pilfer through all the muddy garbage bullshit. Um, but I think that's all we have, Bell. Yeah, I think that's all I we have so. for the show. Oh, so um, actually, you're kind of right. Wait a minute. Was it a high number? Minute. It's a ridiculously no. high number. No, it's not. You do that math. Uh, I'm going to read this real um, quick. Dude, it's literally like three percent or two percent. I feel like it's way more than that. I have to look at my pay stub. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at my other feet, you know, taxes and, you know, other bullshit like your Michigan and your federal and your like the biggest amount of money taken out of my check is the uh, social security sector. Not insurance. Not insurance. Okay. Um, yeah. The job the I have, we have really good insurance and at a decent wage or a decent price or whatever. But yeah, like. The biggest lump sum. It, it's Wait, and I forget what the word is. It's not social security. It's like uh No, you're right. The biggest acronym. chunk taken out. Biggest chunk taken out is social security. Yeah. I'll have to figure this out in a second. But Libsurda Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. And we can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at LibservativePod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. And for real, if you listen to the show and you like the show, give us a rating. It helps us ride the algorithms so people can find the show easier and it'll be more 
it'll be promoted more to them. And I don't expect you to share the show on your Facebook feed or whatever feed you're on, TikTok, Instagram, threads, Twitter, tribal, truth. <laughs> uh, tell a friend. Say, hey, right. listen to this show. Um, we're on here every week uh, around 7.30 on Wednesdays. Our shows come out on Fridays. Uh, like, listen, and follow. And until then, see you next week. Peace. Love you guys.